You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors. And it's a very exciting time at Music Tectonics because our conference is coming up soon. We're seeing tons of momentum and tons of excitement, lots of partners jumping in and attendees getting their badges and uh, confirming lots of speakers. And we also have our pre-conference coming up on September 13th. And one of the most exciting parts of Music Tectonics is our Swimming with Narwhals Music Tech Startup Competition, which we have a bunch, a record-breaking number of amazing podcast listeners and music tech startups who are applying to pitch. And at that pre-conference on the 13th of September, we will have our semi-final. So we'll have a handful of those competitors pitching online as part of that pre-conference. And today, we have one of our jury members joining us on the podcast. Juliet Rolnick is an investor at Bertelsmann Digital Media Investments. And we love bringing together the whole macro system of music innovation and music tech. And so having the investor voice in the mix at the conference, at the pre-conference, and on the podcast is so important. We're hoping you get tons out of it today. Juliet, welcome to Music Tectonics. Hi. So great to be here. I'm so excited to be meeting everyone. Yes, love it. So let's dive right in. Tell us about BDMI. What is it and what is the investment thesis? Yes, so BDMI. Um, we are part of a large global media service and education conglomerate called Bertelsmann, which many folks in the U.S. probably haven't heard of, but have definitely interacted with in some way, shape, or form. So within Bertelsmann, there are actually seven different divisions, now six since two of them merged. Um, but the largest division within Bertelsmann is a company called RTL Group. They're a leader in the broadcast content and digital spaces. They own Fremantle, which does content like Price is Right, American Idol, some Netflix shows. Um, there's also Penguin Random House within Bertelsmann. So that's obviously the world's largest consumer book publisher. We have BMG, which many listeners may have heard of, the world's fourth largest music company. Um, they own catalog from Kylie Minogue and the Rolling Stones, many others as well. Uh, we also have a company called Arvato Services, which is which does mostly CRM solutions, IT services, B2B services, broadly speaking. And then we have Burlesman Marketing Services and Burlesman Investments. And BDMI sits within Burlesman Investments. We focus on North America, Europe, and Israel. But then we have partner funds that focus on the rest of the world. So we invest in seed through Series B stage companies. We'll write checks anywhere from 100K up to 10 million. For our seed checks, we never lead, but we're happy to lead down the road for A's and B's. And we are financially driven. So we operate similar to an institutional fund in the, in the sense that our incentives are aligned with our founders. We're compensated on a carry structure. Although being part of Burlesman, we're, we, of course, love to be strategically helpful in making the right intros, et cetera. And then in terms of the sector areas that we look at, you know, we love next-gen media. Music tech obviously falls within that realm. Um, we also love enterprise software, fintech, and we've done a bunch of, you know, AI Web3 stuff. So new frontier technologies, I'd say. Wow, you are in a fun spot there. Uh, um, and I think you kind of covered this. That was, that was a lot right there in the intro, but I think you kind of covered it. But are there other ways in which BDMA differs from other VCs that our field, the music innovation field, might be following? For sure. So from my experience, I find that many players in the music tech VC space are very strategic. So they're looking for investments that can activate their cart catalog, you know, maybe help with artist marketing. There's some sort of strategic role that they're playing. and 
while we of course vet a lot of our startups through BMG and like to make those relevant introductions, we're strictly financial. So we underwrite to things like TAM, total addressable market, other metrics that could give a VC style return. You know, we look to invest in companies that would be a 10x or could return our fund. So that's sort of the primary way in which we differ, I say. Well, that's interesting. So even though there's all these connections to to media, um, music and beyond, and there's these uh, sister companies that are directly involved, you're saying you're pure, purely investment. <laughs> exactly. And, and we are purely investment, um, except we do feel like, you know, you kind of have to win the right to invest and win the right to play in the space. And the way in which we've done that is just, you know, having relationships with the the, the folks within the media industry being part of Pearlsman. Um, oh, wow. I like that. Yeah. So, so what are some examples of investments that you guys have made that our music tech audience should know about? Yes. Yeah, so we have four primary music-related companies in our portfolio. So the first one we have is Rap Chat, which people may have heard of, consumer app that helps fans produce rap music, make beats, etc. They've raised from Sony Music and, and some other funds. We also have Forte. They actually were. Which... They came out to. Uh, they came out to Music Tectonics. Uh, oh no way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. That's awesome. Sorry, what was the next one? Um, another one is a company called Forte Lessons. So they're actually a bespoke um, video conferencing technology for music lessons. So they're helping people find music teachers online. A lot of the teachers are actually Grammy certified, um, top tier uh, music lessons. And, you know, the video conferencing technology is actually fit for music lessons. So folks are able to read music on screen. There's hand views. Audio is optimized for specific instruments, et cetera. Um, so we have that one. And then we have Vest, which is, you may have heard of as well, based in LA. They help fans invest in music royalties. Then we also did more recently a company called Jukebox, which is doing something similar um, in the fractionalized royalty investing space. And it's founded by a former Warner executive, Scott Cohen. He also founded the, the, the Orchard. I know he's on your podcast, actually, as well. Yeah, um, we had a great interview with Scott. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're really excited about that one. They're launching in mid-September, so that'll be good. Nice. Well, there, those, there's four companies right there that are right directly in the, in the music tectonics kind of space. So great to hear about that. So, Juliet, what about you? How did you get into venture capital? It's actually funny and people don't believe me when I say this, but I've actually always wanted to, since freshman year of college to work in music tech investing. And oh my gosh, yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's kind of, it's extremely niche, but I want, I've been wanting to do that for some time. You can find me saying need, this in an interview online, actually from college. So <laughs> you know, I'm not making this up. I feel like we need like a, a like a carnival bell ringing there. Maybe we'll edit that in. <laughs> like ding ding ding, we've yes. got a winner. This is a music tectonics winner. Somebody who is supposed to be on this podcast because they've been talking about this from their youth and continue to, yeah. to pursue the career. So that's amazing. That's so cool. So you you, you dreamed about it from the beginning. So what were the steps to get here? Yeah. So I can back up and say like why this initially interested me. Um, I grew up with music being a huge part of my life. I, I played classical violin since I was four. I'd always just wanted to work in the music industry, but then found, you know, my courses in college, super interesting, related to business, and kind of started to obsessively watch Shark Tank, as silly as it sounds. And I was like, is there a way to merge these two interests? And kind of started reading about some of the labels launching new funds and innovation teams and realized that this was a career path, albeit a niche one. And so, yeah, 
that's sort of that's how, how I, I got there. I love it. I love it so much. I've always been a fan of the hybrid career where you think about um, – Two, you know, two unrelated interests. Maybe one's a skill and one's an interest, or one's a passion and one's a different hobby. And you figure out, well, how do you put them together? And it just sounds like you've been training for this for quite a while, which is super <laughs> awesome. Um, yep, very yep. cool. So, should we dive back into talking about the investment side of the business? <laughs> totally happy to. Yeah, I'm curious when you're reviewing an investment pitch in music, entertainment, media. What types of companies or specialties interest you most right now? Thinking with your VC hat on, like what what gets you excited? Yeah, so I, let me just start by saying that you know a bit about the music and entertainment industry, and like acknowledge that many institutional venture funds are not excited about the music industry. I think given I've noticed, market, <laughs> yeah, given market size. So you know, as folks know, the U.S. recorded music industry is like $25 billion, um, could be over $110 billion once we factor in live entertainment and, and publishing, et cetera. But in compar- comparison, you know, if you look at the U.S. financial services and healthcare sectors, these are like $3 trillion plus dollar industries. And so you kind of have to believe that there really is opportunity for market growth within the sector to be excited about, you know, music. And a lot of folks aren't in the sense that like, they view music as a commodity, which it, it could be. They also view the space as highly saturated. Anyone who wants to listen to music probably already does. Um, streaming subscriber growth rates have been, you know, they increase, you know, and go beyond the U.S., but it's a pretty saturated market overall. So you sort of have to, if you believe that the market's increasing, you sort of have to believe that consumers are willing to and, and actually want to pay more for the music that they're consuming. Um, and that somehow the product offering can get better. And so, you know, I spent some time thinking about this and and kind of have come to the conclusion that music is really potentially as good as it gets. Um, the tools that folks use to create music are increasingly cheap, but increasingly good. So like how good can the audio and the music really get? Questionable. Um, so in order to be excited about the music industry, as, I, as I've said, you kind of have to believe that there are sort of ancillary revenue opportunities, opportunities for fan engagement opportunities to join niche communities, maybe niche streaming platforms focused on, you know, sleep soundscapes, or there, there's other ways to capture revenue for that same user who's likely already consuming music. So that's sort of my preface in saying that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you just said a lot right there that I think is very sobering. And I, I'll be, I have not heard any other VC be so direct about it as it relates to music and music tech. I've heard a lot of VCs say, we don't invest in music or we don't invest in music tech. But now you've just given us the answer why. You've kind of like pulled the curtain back and just been like, sorry guys, look at what you're comparing it to. Um, Which doesn't make me any less excited about music innovation or music tech, but it definitely makes me think, wow, our startup friends definitely have a a special kind of um, road to walk for music tech and looking for investment. Totally. But the, and what I'd say is like the most successful startups, however, like do believe and really support this thesis that the the TAM of the music industry can grow, which I do and my colleagues do and everyone who would invest in the sector does. So super (laughs) bullish on the, you know, the market growth to come uh, within the music industry. Got it. So as a result, um, is there more to this uh, types of companies and specialties that interest you these days? Yes. So, you know. 
going off of this this idea of like what can actually provide additional revenues to the music industry, obviously, you know, given all of the hype, we've been spending some time in Gen, Gen AI. So for artists and fans, and specifically not at the idea phase, mostly focused on assisting, you know, past creativity, execution, um, that's really interesting to us. How can we help the artist actually execute faster, execute better, um, so that they can spend more time creating? So that's that's very exciting. We believe that artists are willing to pay for this, which will obviously overall increase the, the, market, the music market. Um, within Gen AI as well, we've been looking at a lot of companies that are focused in security layering. So I think like ethical AI, helping artists like opt in or opt out of using some of their IP in in public publicly trained models that they can get properly compensated for the work that comes out of them. Um, so that's those are you know two subsectors within AI that we're looking at, and then also really excited about sort of tangentially re- related sectors where music can play a role. So in thinking about the the health tech industries, there's companies that we've looked at that I'm excited about around like improving cognition and aging populations, or like I had mentioned previously, bespoke sleep and soundscape apps um, that we believe that will, consumers are willing to pay for beyond their existing Spotify or Apple Music membership. Um, gaming's another one, given, given mm-hmm. you know, the excitement around the gaming industry, companies that are enabling licensed music to be used in game game engines are really exciting. Um, and so, yeah, I think those are the primary areas that we're excited about at this point. No, I, I love it. I mean, I think it's, it's, it is, it's really great to hear kind of like your perspective on sort of the overall investment uh, market for music and then these specific ones because it feeds back into that sort of uh, perspective, that philosophy. And, um, and I also agree. I believe that there's a lot of new opportunities. Music feels to me like it was disrupted sooner than a lot of other industries, even other media uh, forms. Um, and as a result, it kind of had its problems earlier and longer. And we're now starting to get out of the, some of those, um, some of the the challenge that were were there around licensing, for example, or peer sharing and 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 social sharing of music and all, all that kind of thing all those kinds of things it's not totally easy now you know it's not like obviously yeah. all fixed but it we've gone through enough rounds of it that it feels like um there's now the chance to take whatever's succeeded in the traditional music industry and start to apply it to these other verticals like you're talking about like healthcare well-being meditation yeah. um aging i love that one that's a great one um gaming um and so many yeah. other things so that's that's super interesting I mean, totally. I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's a blast for you doing this. Like, like us as a, as a, you know, my, my PR company, we feel like we get to dive into a lot of different things, really understand the business models. I'm all, like you, I'm very interested in both music and business. And so it's yeah. really fun to sort of like try on these different hats and do problem solving and also help people along the way towards doing really cool, creative and innovative things in music. But I'm curious, what's your favorite thing about your job? Yeah. I mean, so many things. I, I'm, ha- I'm happy to say that I love my job, um, yeah. but I guess my favorite part of it is just to to be able to meet awesome people who are excited about making the world better and making it maybe more efficient, more fun, especially as it relates to the entertainment sector. Um, and then beyond that, I actually particularly like meeting music tech founders, given their inherent passion about the industry. No one would, you know, chooses to work in the music industry if they're not truly passionate about music. So the passion that I get from um, having conversations with, with new folks all the time. So it's exciting. 
Yeah, awesome. All right, we have to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'd love to ask you about uh, the Swimming with Narwhals pitch competition. We'll be right back. Are you ready for Music Tectonics pre-conference event, The Shock Before the Quake? It's happening online September 13th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific. That's 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern or 5 to 8 p.m. UK. Mark Mulligan of Media Research will kick us off talking about the deep trends shaping music and innovation. If you've ever seen him present, you know Mark's going to bring an incredible slide deck full of data and insights powered by Meteor's research. Then, get a first look at where the most cutting-edge new ideas are bubbling up. Hear pitches from the semifinalists in our Swimming with Narwhals startup competition and the feedback from the jury, including Juliet Rolnack, the VC investor at BDMI, and Tracy Maddox, the chief commercial officer of Downtown Music. And they'll stick around for a Q&A with the audience. Now, how can you be a part of this event? Get a ticket for the Music Tectonics Conference at musictectonics.com. Everyone who registers for the conference gets into the online pre-conference. So go there now, musictectonics.com. Okay, we are back. And Juliet, I'm curious, what aspect of the Swimming with Narwhals pitch competition interests you most? I know you, I don't know if you can say too much since you're a jury member, but uh, you know, we like to connect everybody with their their passions and and with each other to understand, kind of like what you were saying before the break about enjoying hearing about the you know hearing from the music tech startup founders their passion and so forth. But what interests you most about participating in this competition? I'm personally super excited about meeting new companies, new founders, seeing if there are areas that you know BDMI can be helpful with um, following the pitch competition. I also you know particularly like the collaborative nature of the competition. I think in music especially everyone's looking to expand the music market. And so if one person can expand the overall team of the industry, that helps every subsequent founder in the industry. So it truly is, you know, it makes sense that the competition is so collaborative, but also, you know, fun. There's still some competitive edge to it. So really excited about that. I also, you know, I know Jessica from Audio Shake who won last year and they're doing some really exciting things in AI. So excited to see who the next one winner will be. Yeah, it's been fun to see who comes out each year. Each of the winners has been amazing. And actually, a lot of the, the semifinalists and finalists, we, we continue to see their growth and watching their trajectory is, is super awesome. Um, and it's funny, as you're talking, I'm remembering you, you mentioned that Shark Tank, as, as, when you were growing up, was, was the thing that really caught your imagination. And we specifically named this, uh, this uh, competition Swimming in Narwhals because we didn't want it to have that kind of sharky vibe and and you mentioned this collaborative aspect it really is a friendly it's kind of a friendly competition in a way i mean the stakes are not super high but we have seen some great springboarding coming out of it as well but i love that connection between us all you know uh learning a lot about investment through Sh- shark tank and now you get to swim with narwhals they're not exactly unicorns but they're pretty unique <laughs> so yeah, they could be unicorns <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. awesome so what what tips do you have for the uh, for any like first time music innovation startup founders as it relates to pitching investors? This may be for some folks who are at our competition, but also in general, uh, you know, even if folks aren't aren't in this competition or they don't make it to the semifinal, I'm sure it'd be helpful for them to hear what your tips are. For sure, um, I think generally I find that a lot of folks kind of start with the solution and just jump into you know their product, what they're building, why their product is better than anything else they're on the market or sometimes the only thing out there on the market, which we know is never true. But I think, you know, one of my primary recommendations would be to start with the problem, especially when pitching non-music industry investors. 
like why is what you're building necessary and then why is the way in which you're doing it necessary and you can't really get to those those answers without starting with painting a picture as to what the problem is in the industry um i'd also say timing super important so just making sure you're getting through the high level beginning to end because running out of time even on like a 30 minute zoom call does hurt you from an investment investor perspective um, but investors are also always looking for traction numbers or any early signs of product market fit. So make sure you sort of drop those proof points, however small or however minor. And then the last thing I would say is, you know, when you're asking for, for dollars, you know, try not to frame it as I need this money to build my business and make hires, et cetera. Although that very well might be true. You, you should rather frame it as, you know, give investors the impression that you're going to be building this thing no matter what. Uh, this is this is a problem that someone will be solving, you will be solving, and their dollars will just take it further and make the execution quicker. Wow, I love that. That's th- Those are great tips. Again, I feel like you're really pulling the curtain back and, and, and letting folks know kind of like what's in your mind when you're hearing from them. So I think it's, it's super value, super valuable. Um, and I'm sure there's so many other uh, tips as well. Um, I'm curious, what would you say to the folks that actually are pitching when you're going to be there as a judge on September 30th? These semifinalists might be listening to this episode. What what other uh, things would you like to share with them? For sure. I mean, I love a founder who's excited. So showcasing your excitement is really important um, to any investor, I'd say. And then also, you know, make sure you're discussing some milestones that you want to hit before your race, especially because a lot of the folks on the panel might seek to you know, put money behind your your product at some point. Uh, what milestones will you will you hit before actually going out to raise a full round? And what will you be going out and doing next? And then also just being clear about the, and this speaks to my excitement point, like being clear about what lofty outcome you seek. Like, do you want to be straight for the music industry or like how big can this get again? Like the TAM issue is probably the primary issue in music investors' minds. So speaking to that is important. Wow. I've, I've heard a, um, an investor once say that um, sometimes your first pitch to investor, if you don't have traction, you, you have two choices, basically. One choice is to paint something that's so big and that the potential is um, so large for return on investment and uh, that, that there's, you know, you can't really talk about traction yet when you first get started, right? So one option is to make it look insane um, and make it feel like you got to jump on this because somebody's going to do this. If it's not us, it's someone else. You might as well get in, in, you know, get on board with us. But then the other one is to sort of think about just like a point A, like say my first pitch. I'm not expecting you to invest in me. I just want you to know who I am and what I'm up to, so that when I talk to you again in three months or six months or twelve months, you will see what I did between now and then. Do you think about that that uh, those two different options and and whether that that point A actually is valuable for you with your time? For sure. No, it's, de- it's definitely important. But I say even if your approach is the latter, like there's always some sort of proof point that you can provide an investor just to give them confidence that you're solving a problem that actually exists. So even if your proof point is, you know, I've spoken to 20 artists and they all have this problem and, you know, what they use currently isn't good enough. Like that's enough, quote unquote, traction to get an investor excited about a potential investment down the line. Uh, but these informational or conversational you know, chats are definitely, definitely valuable to me and, you know, hopefully to them. Yeah. I'm curious, you've mentioned a couple different things. Some of them are 
fan-facing and some of them are artist-facing. And in my work with music tech companies and startups, there's always this conversation, like the fan side is so saturated, so how can you stand out when it's already so saturated? And then the artist side can be tricky. It's like, well, there's a lot of artists out there and it's not as saturated, but they don't have as much money. Do you lean towards, uh, I mean, the other thing is people talk about, is it B2B or B2C? And music, sometimes B2B is B2A, B2Artist, business to artist. Yeah. And sometimes mm-hmm. artists are a unique kind of business or they're a unique kind of consumer. Some people say they're prosumerist. I don't know. Hey, what's yeah. your thinking about this B2B, B2C, business to artists? Um, yeah. where, where's the potential? And, and do you think about both sides of it? That's a really, really good question. I think every investor is different. different. I think, you know, being so close to the media industry and sort of the incumbent music industry, you're able to see, you know, how fragmented the industry is, which relates to how sometimes slow um, some of the incumbent players are in in executing. And so I do lean B2C and thinking it versus B2B. Um, Mm -hmm. I also lean B2A, but like B2CA, like consumer artist. So aspirational artists, because these folks actually do spend more on on tools on production tools they're willing to try new things more readily so i think the best approach in my view is like how do we can convert the fan to a potential bedroom producer potential semi-artist how do we get them more engaged in their fandom and that could be by like you know enabling them to to sort of be in that in between consumer artist phase yeah, cool. Wait, it's interesting as you're talking. It makes me curious about what you're, and you probably can't give everything away. But what are your like? Where do you go to to to, to track this information? There's so much of this is unknown. So much of this is not spoken about publicly. Where are the best places to track uh, things like what you're talking about? Like spending and 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 sort of yeah, exactly. Data? Yeah, I think your keynote speaker. I think from a media research, right? Oh yeah, Mark uh, Mulligan uh, spoke at our yeah. first conference, and he'll be at our pre-conference in September. Yeah, he's great. So love those research reports, absolutely. Research, yeah. you know, traction data. VCs look at pitch book data, traction data, crunch based stuff. There, there's a bit of a lag there for sure. But moreover, it's just having these conversational, you know, these these more casual conversations with potential founders or artists, even or folks at labels. I think we're pretty close with, with a lot of the, the label innovation funds. So we're able to kind of get multi viewpoints to, to help yeah, us build these species. So, yeah. 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 Makes a lot of sense. Awesome. All right. We're going to take one more quick break and we've got maybe one or two more questions for you. We'll be right back. The news cycle of the music industry and innovation in particular is accelerating at such a fast pace. It can be hard to keep up. That's why I launched rock paper scanner a free newsletter you can get in your inbox every Friday morning. Check out bit.ly slash rpscanner. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash rpscanner. I scan hundreds of outlets for you from the music trades to the tech blogs, from the music gear mags to lifestyle outlets so that you don't have to. I handpick everything music tech, including industry revenue numbers, AI, cool new user tools, the live music and recording landscapes, partnerships and acquisitions, and everything else a Music Tectonics podcast listener would want to know. Open a browser right now and punch in bit.ly slash rpscanner to sign up right now. Go ahead, hit pause and go to bit.ly slash rpscanner or find the episode's blog post on musictectonics.com and find that link. Happy scanning, but for now, happy listening. 
Okay, we're back. Juliet, I want to ask you, I mean, we've talked about a lot of different things here, packed it in in the last 25 minutes, um, but but I want to give you one more chance to, to talk about kind of what innovations are emerging in music that interest you most, maybe personally as well. You've talked about some of the investment areas, but I'm just curious, are there any other areas we should touch upon before we part ways for today? Yeah, so personally, I'm really interested in the intersection of wellness tech and music tech. So any tools that are helping you live and think and overall actually increase efficiency in, in someone's personal life through music is super valuable. I actually ha- I have this vision um, and this is no one's executed on this yet, but if you're building in the space and you're listening to this, please reach out. Um, yes. You know, is there a wor- world in which your aura ring and, you know, a startup that would ingest data from your messaging and your Outlook calendar and all of that would be able to say, hey, this is the type of thing you need to hear right now to set you up for success today. And like, these are the sorts of messages you should be sending. These are sorts of the, the sorts of interactions you should be having. This is what you should be eating. But moreover, this is what you should be listening to, um, to enable you to be, you know, your best self that day. So that's sort of where I, I want the market to be going. Oh, I love it. And actually, you know, with the, with the smart speakers and stuff, it doesn't have to tell you. It can just start playing at you. Exactly. 100%. As long as you trust all these devices to send you in the right direction. Yeah. Trust I mean, it makes me think privacy what? is yeah, the, the bottleneck there. But Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'd well, of course, it. the recommendation, too. The recommendations would allow for it, too, where you get to choose, not just have it play. And all of a sudden you realize, wait, I feel different as a result of this music that's playing or these lyrics. For sure. For sure. There's definitely choice. We'll have at the conference, we'll have uh, Lyric Find will be there. And they do a lot of interesting stuff with lyric data and how you can kind of uh, capture information about songs um, and then use it in these kind of ways as well. So I could see them in the mix for the kind of thing that you're, uh, you're suggesting there. I love that one. Did you have another one? And any other uh, um, ones we should talk about before we go? I think, you know, and I mentioned this briefly, the security layers for um, LLMs and, and, and other uh, models in the AI space are, is really interesting. Just preventing, you know, artists' hard work from being copied and enabling them to be compensated via AI. So how do we ensure that AI is actually helping versus hurting the artist? I'm pretty excited about yeah. that. And that's actually happening today. So less far out in the future, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Well, this has been super fun. I feel like you've shared so much knowledge in such a short period. And the cool thing is, podcast listeners, if you have questions for Juliet, she's going to be part of the Q&A after our um, Swimming with Narwhals pitch competition online September 13th. 2023. I guess I better say that. This is going to be online for many, many years. Um, but uh, but the, yeah, that's our pre-conference. You need to get a badge at musictectonics.com and you can be a part of that. You can have fun with me and Juliet and our other judges and speakers, Mark Mulligan from MIDI Research, as we listen to some very passionate music tech startups, finalists pitching us for the Swimming with Narwhals competition. Um, but you got to have a badge to do it. Um, but Juliet, I'm so excited you're going to be there with us to listen, to support these um, startups and egg them along, ask them hard questions and push them down the road to the next level of the competition. So thanks for jumping in on the podcast, Juliet. Thanks so much. Excited to see you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know we do free monthly online events that you, our lovely podcast listeners, can join? Find out more at musictectonics.com.
And while you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference and sign up for our newsletter to get updates. Everything We Do explores the seismic shifts that shake up music and technology, the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's my favorite platform. Connect with me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it. We'll be back again next week, if not sooner. You're listening to Music Tectonics.